I have to admit, and I've mentioned it to the other two services, that coming to the weekend in which we get to dedicate our two grandchildren certainly had me thinking an awful lot of how important this event is in the Cushing family. It also got me thinking of things that we used to do with our children, particularly it got me thinking of David when he was little, and one of the things that David liked when he was little was Sesame Street. Now, do we have any Sesame Street fans in the house? Raise your hand. Well, if the kids watch Sesame Street, mom and dad follow along, and there are certain things that we like that are on Sesame Street, and that's true probably with any of the children's programs that we watch. One of the things in Sesame Street is a little thing that I would call what's different. It might have had a different title, but they always sang a song like this, and it went, one of these things is not like the others, one of these things doesn't belong, can you tell which one is not like the other by the time we finish our song? No, I'm not going to sing that to you, but that was how the song went. Then they would take things like we have here, three apples and an orange, or they would do different items, usually items that it was really obvious what the one that was different. So I kind of decided I would do it with our congregation. So welcome to Sesame Street, kids. Let's see if we can figure which one is different. This is Pastor Stan's favorite book on Puritans that helps him understand the history of Plymouth. This is Pastor Stan's favorite book on Christian doctrine called Mere Christianity, written by C.S. Lewis. This is Pastor Stan's favorite biography. It's a biography of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, written by a good friend of his, Eberhard Betgay. And this is the trowel that was used to lay the cornerstone of Memorial Methodist Church here in Plymouth on October 4th, 1884. This is not a trick question, folks. Which one is different? I haven't heard an answer. Which is different? Thank you. You, you all pass Sesame Street. You can go on to kindergarten. Good job. That was sort of the point of the thing. It was helping kids identify things that were similar, things that were different. I say that because this morning I'd like to talk about what's different. I wore a pin, a tie tack, that was my dad's. There were a number of things that were given to me. This is one of the ones that was. Why did I wear it today? Well, because when I was in high school, my father, who was a pastor, baptized me. He had earlier in my life dedicated me. My dad then had the privilege of baptizing both David and Todd. Today, that, that tradition, that family tradition continues of the senior pastor in the family dedicating this time our two grandchildren, Ruby and Henry, and I pray that one day they will come to faith in Christ and I will be able to be there to see their baptism. Family tradition, something special, but it's also something that we all participate in, whether or not you have the family tradition of the pastor's. This Thanksgiving, we will be taking little Ruby for her first trip to Raymond's Turkey Farm. You see, Raymond's Turkey Farm is a place that I started buying turkeys in 1983, and every single year at Thanksgiving, we go to Raymond's Turkey Farm. My sister, who's here, reminds me they are not the best-tasting turkeys. It doesn't matter. It's where we buy our turkeys that matters. My parents went with me. They have passed away. Regina's parents have gone with us. They've passed away. David and Todd went when they were little. Ruby will continue that tradition. 
Last year, in the middle of a pandemic, David and I stood outside with masks on, with our glasses fogging up, just to keep a tradition going, because a family tradition matters to us. Storyland is an interesting place up in New Hampshire. It opened in 1954, and my parents took me for the first time in 1966. I could be wrong with the year, but it was a trip that we came out to New England. I was shocked when I was on our honeymoon with Regina in 1982. We went back to Storyland because there it was. I was like, wow, it's still there. We took our children to it. Our son Todd particularly loves Storyland, and sometime in the next year or two, we will continue that tradition, taking Ruby and Henry to Storyland. Nice family tradition. We all have them. Last one I'm thinking of is the fair. Regina's dad loved a fair. Took Regina to fairs since she was a child. We've had our kids at the fair. Someday we will take our grandchildren to the fair. We particularly like Ohio fairs. And when Regina and I go to Ohio, we always look for a county fair to go to if we go late summer into the fall. That tradition is so important that her father passed away around the time of the Lancaster County Fair when the hearse left the funeral home on its way to the cemetery. The hearse driver stopped in front of the fair, had a moment of silence so we could all have a prayer, and continued on to the cemetery. Nice family tradition going to the fair. We all have them, don't they? Things that matter to us that we pass on to others. But what's different? What's different between that and dedicating a child? What's different between going to a football game, which you can enjoy going to a football game, and coming to worship on Sunday morning? What's different? What's different from reading a book that you enjoy or going to a movie you enjoy versus sitting down and reading Scripture? What makes it different? Why is it we're able to say one of these things is unlike the other, and what we're doing as a family, and particularly David and Laura have chosen in the life of their children, why is that different than any other family traditions that we hand on? You see, here's the thing. Traditions are nice, but they cannot compare to knowing Christ as Savior and sharing our faith. Amen? Family traditions are nice, but they do not compare with living for Jesus and sharing that with our children so that they come to a relationship with Christ. We are in a sermon series on prophets. Today our prophet is Abigail. If you did not get your Abigail card, we have our little Abigail trading card, just like the other prophets, with some nice information about her, including the passage we're looking at. You can pick them up at the end of the service. When we were looking at the prophets, Abigail wasn't really one that I first thought of, and it was Pastor Lori Eldridge who talked to me about Abigail, and as I thought more about her, I thought she makes sense for this Sunday, so I chose her specifically for this week. You see, Abigail's story is found in 1 Samuel 25, and it comes at a time when David has had a problem with King Saul. David is a great general, and Saul has gotten jealous of him, and Saul wants to get rid of of David. He's not king yet, and so David is out fending for his life so that Saul literally doesn't kill him. It's not that David has done anything wrong. It's literally just that the king has gone crazy and he's out to get him. And as David and his men go throughout Israel, different places they encounter people who just help them. They just bring them in for a night or, or they'll feed them. Sometimes David and his men are held up in a cave. Until one day, they encounter a couple named Abigail and Nabal. 
And what problem is, is they really come upon Nabal, and Nabal is this crazy, angry, bitter man. There's no question, as we read the story, and we'll be looking at it, that not only did he have a drinking problem, today we would say he was an addict or an alcoholic. His life had completely spiraled out of control, and he did nothing about it. He just got more angry. And so that when David's men come, he literally just kicks them off his land, wants nothing to do with them, and basically threatens to kill them. Later, we find in the story that Abigail, his wife, finds out about it, and she responds very differently. She says, you know, I'm a child of God. God's changed my life. I'm a generous person. She apologizes for how they've been treated, and then what she does is she makes provisions and she helps them. What's interesting is you look at Abigail and you look at Nabal, the Bible is giving us a contrast between self-will run wild, an individual just living according to, I guess, what we would call the reptilian brain, living as just an angry, self-willed person, versus a person who's turned her life over to God and has been transformed by the inside out. And she models for us what God can do in our lives. And so we have this contrast that helps us to start saying, what's different? What's different is that which we do according to our faith to grow in our faith is all part of the process of molding lives the way God molded lives, as in the experience of Abigail. So when we talk about what's different, what's different is a relationship with God changes us from the inside out. That's why we seek to have a relationship with God. You see, we come into this world, and I hate to break this to you, it's a thing called sin, or we call it original sin. We are all very self-centered, willful people, amen? We like what we like, we want what we want, and we want it our ways, and we can't figure out how other people don't see everything from our perspective. And so we need to have Christ forgive us and work his grace into our lives to start to change us from the inside out. And that's what we see in our text. I'll actually be reading from the message, which is a paraphrase, but if you have your Bibles, feel free to follow along. But the reason I use a paraphrase is sometimes I think when we're talking a narrative, it helps us hear the text a little more clearly. Verses 2 and 3 of our passage, we're told these words. There was a certain man in Maon who carried on his business in the region of Carmel. He was prosperous. 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And it was sheep shearing time in Carmel. The man's name was Nabal, which means fool. He was a Calebite. His wife's name was Abigail. The woman was discerning and beautiful. The man was foolish and mean. Nabal. The very translation of his name meant foolish and mean. It was a Hebrew word. How would you like that name? What's your name? Foolish and mean. Now, we don't know if that was actually his name or probably a nickname maybe that had, gotten, had been given to him. But here's how Abigail later describes him in verse 25 of our passage when she says, don't dwell on what that brute Nabal did. He acts out the meaning of his name, Nabal, fool, foolish, oozes from him. In contrast to Nabal is his wife Abigail. Her name is also a Hebrew name that is a compound word that means father and joy. In other words, she brought joy to her father. Mom and dad were proud of her. 
They're like, look at my daughter Abigail. She's a godly woman. She loves people. She cares for others. She's generous. She's, she's helpful. She prays for people. And if someone is struggling, she goes out of her way to say, how can I make your life a little bit better? And then our text tells us not only did she live up to her name, they explain how she lived up to her name, because did you hear those two things about her? She was discerning and she was beautiful. Discerning is on the inside. Discerning means that she had a mind that was so fixated on getting to know God and God's love and God's grace that she didn't see things from a selfish perspective. She was able to have an honest evaluation about things. She was able to say, that, that's not quite right there. I don't like how that person is acting over there. Or she was able to say, here's an opportunity for me to reach out with kindness and love to someone else. The Bible also says she was beautiful. Now, what does it mean that she was beautiful? Certainly, that means she was attentive to how she looked, but it also is a description of the fact that beauty comes from the inside out. Amen? Beauty is an inside job. God had transformed her life inside, so the way that she reacted to other people, beauty came from her and just came out of her. I remember a woman in my first church who was about 90 years old, loving, caring, grace-filled woman, always helping people. Remember times when she would just do anything she could, and she was one of the most beautiful people I ever knew. And I remember always saying to her, it's just so wonderful the way that you treat people. Her daughter, when she passed away, said, my mom died a very peaceful life, just the way she lived her whole life, just with peace and grace towards others. There is a difference, you see, if we act out of our sort of natural self and when somebody does something to us, we seek revenge versus if God has changed our life from the inside out and we understand what forgiveness is and so we receive forgiveness and we forgive others. So a person who just acts out of their natural self the way that Nabal did, maybe something happens to that person and maybe that describes you sometimes or somebody you know. And what happens is rather than responding in a positive manner. If somebody's done something to me, i got to get back and get even. That's called revenge. But here's what also happens. If an individual lives that way, sometimes somebody hurts them, and they can't do something back to that person, so they carry that with them elsewhere in life. So you encounter them somewhere else, and that person is just angry and upset. Or maybe that's you sometimes, and you're like, God really needs to do that work in my life, because if somebody over here does something that makes me feel bad, and then I go over here and I'm just acting that out, that's a very base way to live our lives, and that's not how God wants us to live. Forgiveness is the opposite of that. Forgiveness is where God forgives us, and therefore we extend the grace to others. And that's how Abigail lived her life. It's an inside job. There's a new movie that's out. I hope you'll go see it. I haven't had the chance to see it, but it covers a topic that I've always been interested in. And in fact, the last song that we sang this morning, the song from Keith Green, I don't know if it's going to be in the movie, but comes from the early days of contemporary Christian music that had its roots back in California in 1970. The name of the movie is The Jesus Music. Regina and I will probably wait for it to come out on DVD, but it is certainly, from what I understand, well worth checking out. It gives a history of how contemporary Christian music came in America. And the story really begins with a young man 
called Chuck Gerard. Chuck Gerard, who later formed the group Love Song, was a hippie musician living in Los Angeles in 1970 when he and his friends came to faith in Christ. Somebody shared with them the love of Jesus, and he gave his life to Christ. And he was invited to a little church. It was called Calvary Chapel, and there was a pastor named Chuck Smith, and he was told, go to this church. It'll be interesting. I think you'll really like this pastor. And he went to church. And Chuck Smith, the pastor, saw him, and now I quote Chuck Smith. This is what Chuck was thinking when he got to know Chuck Gerard. He said, my feeling was, dirty hippies, why don't they take a bath? Are we getting the picture here of what showed up on a Sunday morning? But then Pastor Smith explained that he got to know Chuck Gerard. He talked to him. He prayed with him. He listened to his music. He found out how this young guy who had just come to faith in Christ was now writing Christian songs. And he formed a group called Love Song that became the praise band of Calvary Chapel and contemporary Christian music was born. All because Chuck Smith, once he got to know Chuck Gerard, saw the beauty coming out of him, not the other stuff that had gotten in the way. I like to say without Chuck Gerard and Love Song, there would be no K-Love or Soul Fest. That's where it all began. What's different? What's different about somebody going to their friend, Chuck Gerard, and sharing Christ with them and inviting them to church? What's different with dedicating our children to God? What's different is a trip to a turkey farm or storyland or a nice Sunday afternoon at a county fair or an opportunity to watch the Patriots. Maybe all fun and exciting and it may pass on family traditions and that's important, but it doesn't change us. It doesn't transform our lives. However, a relationship with Jesus changes us from the inside out. You see, we don't gather here for worship because we think it's a nice family tradition and we should keep doing what other people have done, but rather we understand that as we gather for worship, we are seeking God's Word in our life and trying to let the Holy Spirit transform us so we become the people that God wants us to be. It's very different than all the other stuff we do in life. But that's not all we learn from Abigail. What's also different is a relationship with God helps us break bad cycles. And I have good news and bad news for all of us. We all have bad cycles in our life. Every one of us. Sometimes they happen at work. We go to work and we can't wait to get to our first day at work and we start finding people are negative and they're very critical. We say we want nothing to do with that and the next thing we do, we find ourselves in the break room talking bad about other people. Or perhaps we have family things that got passed on in our life and we just can't seem to break it. We just do the same thing that everybody else does and we find ourselves saying, I can't believe I'm acting the very way that I didn't like people acting towards me. Well, a relationship with God changes that. That's what a relationship with God does. It helps us learn to be like Abigail and listen to the difference between Abigail and Nabal. And don't misunderstand me here. She was in a really tough marriage, folks. She was married to a guy who was not a very pleasant person. Verses 23 through 27, we read these words. As soon as Abigail saw David, 
She got off her donkey and fell on her knees at his face, her face to the ground, in homage, saying, My master, let me speak to you. Listen to what I have to say. Don't dwell on what that brute Nabal did. Nice words about her husband, but they were accurate. He acts out the meaning of his name, Nabal, fool. Foolishness oozes from him. I wasn't there when the young man my master sent arrived. I didn't see them. Now she takes food and she takes something to help these people who are passing through. And she says, now take this gift that I, your servant girl, have brought to my master and give it to the young man who follow in the steps of my master. You see, Nabal was just carrying on what he had learned. Hear me? Nabal was just treating others the way he'd been treated. Nothing had changed. You can only imagine the hurts a guy probably had in his life. Do unto others as had done to him. That was his motto in life. He had had cruelty. He had had pain. Everybody does. He had massive farm. He had plenty of wealth to be able to help people. And he probably had family traditions, and he liked the family traditions. He probably went to Raymond Streaky Farm, too. And he probably took the kids on a trip to Storyland. But in his personal life, he had never been able to turn it over and have the transformation and the cycle changed. This is a tragedy of life that we call the cycle of dysfunction. And we all have it in our lives. It's part of being a fallen people and it's part of sin living in this world and living in our lives. That God wants us to learn to take a look in the mirror and be able to ask, where does this need to change for us? Abigail broke the cycle. Abigail said, I'm not going to live that way. God has transformed my life, and I do not need to be controlled by the negative behavior of my husband, my family, my family of origin, or anything else. It doesn't matter how those act around me. I'm a child of God, I've been forgiven, and I'm going to live out of that. She saw people traveling through the area, and she learned to practice hospitality. You see, God does not want us to cover up the bad behavior of others. Amen? I'm going to say it again. God does not want us to cover up the bad behavior of others. Amen? Amen. Far too often, Christians think that that's our call. Oh, I have to just get uncomfortable and excuse what somebody else does. No, we don't. No, we need to learn to be like Abigail and be able to name things that are wrong and be okay with it. But God also doesn't want us to continue in those negative cycles. That's why, although we are a Plymouth tradition, I don't know what we would be. We're Faith Community Church. I'm not quite sure what tradition we are. I know we are Methodists, but we certainly come from a lot of different traditions. But there are traditions that have specific practices, especially around the time that children are presented before a congregation. One of them is the Greek Orthodox tradition. And they do something that I find fascinating. If we were in a Greek Orthodox church, and Ruby and Henry had been brought to us this morning, they would have been wearing their regular, normal, everyday clothes, probably with a little bit of stuff spit up all over them and a little bit of peanut butter stain here, whatever it is, and that's how the children would have been presented before the congregation. And then the children get taken out of the sanctuary, changed into white garments, and brought back into the congregation to be presented to the congregation. Do you know why? 
it represents what God does in our lives as Christians, continues to work to transform us, to break the cycles, to change us from the inside out, to make us into the people that God wants us to be. The clothes represent God's work. Here's the key. Anyone can have this. This isn't just for somebody in our church or somebody in a different church. It's about a relationship with God. It's not about going to a particular church at all. It's about getting to know Jesus and letting our lives be transformed so that we become the people that God desires us to be. That's what Abigail learned. What's different? Everything's different. What we do as people of faith and growing in our faith and encouraging others to open the scriptures, to join a faith group, to learn to be prayerful each day is so that we can get rid of the junk of this world, the dirt that's on our clothes, the stuff that messes us up, so that we can be the beautiful people that God created us to be as we encounter others and share what Christ is. But then there's one last thing that's also different. What's also different is faith allows us to live today. And I hope you heard that important word, live. God wants us to live today. The story of Nabal and Abigail takes an interesting twist. I guess it could almost be a Disney movie at this point. Because listen to what happens in verses 38 through 41. When Abigail got home... She found Nabal presiding over a huge banquet. He was high in spirits, and he was very, very drunk. So she didn't tell him anything of what she'd done until the morning. But in the morning, after Nabal sobered up, she told him the whole story. Right then and there, he had a heart attack and fell into a coma. About ten days later, God finished him off, and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, David said, Blessed be God who stood up for me against Nabal's insults, kept an evil act from happening against me. And I like this. Let Nabal's evil boomerang back on himself. You see, folks, that's one of the reasons why we can be transformed by Christ and be okay. When people do things wrong, guess what? People don't get away with stuff. Far too often as Christians, we say, I can't believe they're getting away with that. Nobody gets away with anything in life, folks. When we live certain ways, it comes back on us, and that's exactly what happened with Nabal. But then, here's my Disney moment. David sent for Abigail and said he wanted her to be his wife. David's servants went to Abigail and Carmel and came with this message. David sent for us to get you to marry him. Abigail got up, bowed down, face to the ground, saying, I am your servant. I'm ready to do anything you want. You see, Nabal never lived. He was never happy, and he was never alive. He survived life. He toughed it through life. He didn't live. He didn't understand the joy of living every day and loving people and building relationships and being hospitable to someone and reaching out to a neighbor and having them say thank you. That was a really generous, kind act. After Nabal died, Abigail kept moving on with her life, but it really wasn't something new. We hear that she marries David, and he later becomes king, which means, yes, she marries a guy so that she's going to be the queen. That's awesome. 
But that really wasn't that much different for her because she already lived. She already lived every day. It didn't matter that her husband was this brute and this uncontrolled alcoholic who got drunk and passed out at night. She still lived her life every day. Still, still lived with joy and happiness and loved and cared for others. A relationship with God allows us to live today. A relationship with God is different because it transforms our lives and allows us to realize that if there's stuff in our past that we want to get rid of, God will get rid of it. If there's things that we need forgiveness for, we get forgiven of it. If there's things in our lives that we're holding on to or dysfunction or things we need to break free from, God allows us to break free. It's nice to be a pastor who's a son of a pastor who was dedicated and baptized by my dad. It was fun this morning when I put on a tie tack that I got from my dad. It was awesome to stand as my father baptized my children. And it's awesome to dedicate my children today. But it's a whole lot different than a trip to Storyland. Because a trip to Storyland, as important as it is and as fun as it is, and as much as it's a family tradition, is not what we are about as people of faith. What we are about is to get to know God better so God can change our lives, so we can share that with others, that if they put their trust in Jesus, God can change their lives. Because we are a fallen people. And we really have a contrast this morning between a person who's completely self-willed, who's Nabal, who's living with no concern for anyone else other than himself, and in the end isn't living. Versus Abigail, our prophet, who lives for God, who's been transformed, who understands the power of grace. And so I'm ending our message this morning a little different than I normally do. I want to make sure this other microphone is on. It is. And I'd like to invite my friend Rodney to come forward to just share a few moments of what's different and why God makes a difference in his life. Good morning. I'm a little nervous. Um, I'm going to give you a short story, a short phrase of it all. Um, okay. <laughs> God's always been good to me. He's always had his hand on me, I've been told. Um, I come from a, um, a chain line of alcoholics um, growing up. I lost my mom at an early age when I was 14. She died four days after my birthday. Um, and I was a true mama boy to the heart. Um, so when she died, you know, it kind of did, did something to me. It transformed something inside of me. Because um, I was very quiet, very, very quiet um, when she was here. I was always up under her. I used to watch Tom and Jerry. You know, they don't say nothing on, them, on there. So I sat there and I just watched them and not saying anything. Um, so when she died, I uh, did a 180. I became open, outspoken. Um, I guess you could say angry, upset. Um, so growing up, you know, I, I pretty much looked after my siblings, um, taking care of them. So I wasn't living my life for me. I uh, put my life on hold which is something I felt like I needed to do, to take care of them, you know, to keep them up, uh, uplifted and, and um, on the right track. 
So, you know, growing up, I did graduate from high school, which is something she told me I had to do. I did do that. Um, but once my siblings got older and had kids and, you know, I showed them how to take care of them and themselves and, you know, get themselves situated and stable, I uh, started living my life and started feeling lonely and depressed and all that. And I turned to alcohol and drugs, if you will. Um, and that was my go-to. All along, growing up, I didn't know God. I've always been team Jesus. I love Jesus, don't get me wrong. But I didn't have a, a real relationship with him. Um, so he wasn't pretty much able to, you know, transform me on the inside growing up. I've always prayed. I've always, you know, I went to church, you know, not always, but, you know, sometimes. And um, recently, um, well, make a long story short, last year, um, it came to an ending on my uh, alcoholism, if you will. Um, on October 15th of 2020, in my spirit, I felt God say, enough is enough. Um, and I ended up going, getting incarcerated, um, which was the best thing that could ever happen to me. Um, I was locked up here in, in um, Plymouth County. I love Plymouth County. I know it probably sounds weird saying that, but um, it changed my life. I have nothing bad to say about it. Um, everybody knew it was great, helpful. There's a lot of Christians that work there and that are in there. I actually had the chance to um, bring a lot of brothers to Christ and to help transform or help change their lives as far as their mental state and help them you know, no God. Um, but through it all, the difference for me is, you know, rather than run into alcohol, you know, um, I could run, drop down, get my prayer on, and let my ego go. But my pride aside and just understand that God is the way. So um, he transformed my life. And I'm standing here today to be able to say it. And I'm coming up on my one year sobriety. Um, my life is dedicated to God.